morning. I was, uh, I was sitting out by my fire pit a few days ago. Uh, I think it was Tuesday evening. We had a fire going, and I love uh, starting fires in my fire pit. And that, that's a necessary caveat. In my fire pit, I like having fires. And so I was sitting out there by myself at some point, and I was reading a story uh, that a preacher friend of mine from Abilene had written. So my, my friend is leaving Abilene to go to uh, Arkansas. He's from Arkansas. He's wanting to move back to Arkansas. He's going from Abilene to Little Rock. But it's the Sunday that he has to get up and tell the church, hey, I'm leaving. And he's been a preacher at this church for about eight years now. And so he shows up on Sunday morning and he walks in the door and he sees a woman there who's wearing short shorts and a bikini top. And he doesn't think anything of it because <laughs> he's got this I've got to tell my church I'm leaving thing going on. And so that church in particular has this outreach to homeless people from time to time. They let people come in and take showers. So he's like, okay, it's probably just that and moves on. Between class and church, between class and worship, he's standing out there greeting people, talking to people. And when in the corner of his eye, he notices that that woman who is wearing a bikini top is no longer wearing a bikini top. <laughs> She's not wearing anything. <laughs> yeah. So he's got this going on where he's thinking, oh my goodness, what do we do? And this sweet old lady walks up to her, takes her into a classroom, and he hears her talking to this woman. And the lady says, honey, what are you thinking? <laughs> we get to that place where we ask that question of people a lot. Or sometimes, like me, I ask that question of my dog that same night. I was sitting at the fire, I was reading that story, and our dog comes up. And our dog's not the smartest dog in the world, but she loves chewing on wood. So we got this fire going on, got this wood that's burning. She puts her front two paws into the fire pit because it's mostly embers. But she stands there for about five seconds and then whelps out. <laughs> she, like, what's going on? And, and my question for her is, Penny, what are you thinking? <laughs> this happens all the time for me. And it happens a lot in sports. So I try not to go to sports metaphors too much, but I couldn't help it this week, so I apologize in advance. I want to show you five different times where the question came to my mind, what are you thinking? And it happened initially, or happened recently, when the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah, so some of you who know what this is, this is funny. Cleveland Cavaliers are facing uh, the Golden State Warriors. Tie game. Guy misses a free throw. Gets the ball. J.R. Smith has the ball. LeBron James is saying, there's five seconds. Shoot the ball. He's running in the opposite direction. And the question on everybody's mind is, what are you thinking? Several years ago, the Michigan Wolverines were playing against North Carolina Tar Heels. And there was this famous, famous scene where the game was tied again. And Chris Webber gets a rebound, runs to the side, calls timeout. The problem is they don't have any timeouts. North Carolina gets technical free throws and wins the game that way. The question everybody asks, Chris Weber, is what were you thinking? This one's going to hurt some of you, and Bill's going to laugh. Yeah, so a few years ago, yeah, a 
few years ago, the Vikings were playing against the Saints in the NFC Championship game. I know this is painful, but they were. Brett Favre had taken them farther than they had been in years. Everybody was so excited. They have the ball. They're marching down the field. He's being chased. He decides to throw across his body, which as a quarterback you do not do. He throws an interception. Saints kick a field goal, win the game. Vikings don't go to the Super Bowl. What are you thinking? <laughs> Happens all the time. One of the most famous baseball scenes for Cubs fans ever. There's this guy named Steve Bartman who's standing there listening to the radio while he's at the game, listening to the play-by-play. -play. And he sees this ball coming, and that's a guy named Moises Alou who's about to catch the ball, win the game, everything's going to be great. Bartman catches the ball. They don't get the out. The guy hits the ball. Whole series falls apart. Cubs live in this awful world of never winning again. But this is my favorite. This one happened this past week. <laughs> I don't know anything about fashion. I don't, I don't pretend to know. A couple things I noticed about this picture. That is a short suit. <laughs> I know that and his socks don't match. <laughs> I don't get it, I don't pretend to get it, but my question was, what were you thinking? And it's all fun and games when we're talking about other people. It's all fun and games when we can point to somebody else. It's easy to sit on the outside and look at people and ask, what are they thinking? Sometimes we even do this to people's faces. But it hit me a while back that there have been more than a few occasions where I have been asked the same question. And so for the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into our minds. We're going to stop asking what other people are thinking and start discerning what is going on in our heads. And to be fair to you, I thought we would start with my mind. So this is Jordan's mind. There are three things about my mind that I think you should know, and this is a little bit confessional and extremely honest. First thing that I think you should know about my mind is that it is very undisciplined. Hunger, temperature, um, desire, all those things, when they come, overwhelm every thought that I have all the time. I am often drawn to useless information. I cannot tell you the number of nights that I've laid in bed looking on Wikipedia to see who the Prime Minister of Zimbabwe is. I don't care, but I'm drawn to that. It makes no sense. My mind can become extremely one-tracked. If I have 15 things I need to focus on, I can focus on one, and then those other 14 go undone. My mind has a really hard time maintaining focus on priorities. If there's something really important in that list of 15 things, that's the one I'm going to avoid because my mind is undisciplined. Do any of you have undisciplined minds? Of course not. You're not even paying attention right now. <laughs> undisciplined. <laughs> no. Second thing about my mind is that it is heavily influenced. And this one's a little tougher. I watch TV, I listen to the radio, I watch movies, 
I watch the news, and all of those things have influence on the way that I perceive the world, on the way that I perceive people, on the way that I perceive world events that I have nothing to do with. All of those things influence my mind. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and all the other ones that I don't know about yet, all those things influence the way that our minds work. If you've ever done online shopping, you'll notice that you'll purchase something from Amazon and for the next several weeks, every ad that you see around the internet is going to be about that thing that you purchased. There was this one girl who made a meme about it and the idea was that she had to purchase a toilet seat and every ad that she saw for a couple of weeks was about toilet seats and her question was, how many do you think I need? <laughs> I don't know but we are influenced by those things. Those things are seeking to influence us. Then you think about things like medicine, and food, and caffeine, and alcohol. All of those things influence the way that our minds work. Not to mention all of the relationships we have with school, and family, and friends, and church. All of those things go together to heavily influence our minds. None of us exist on our own. We all exist together, and so our minds are influenced. Anybody else have heavily influenced minds? Yes, good. You're nodding this time. See, you're getting more disciplined. I like this. Third thing, my mind is heavily biased in my favor. Right? I see people get up and say something, and my mind goes, how can they say that? Two weeks later, I say the same thing, and I, I tell myself, I'm just telling it like it is. Right? Anybody play that game? I say, I would never act like that. I wouldn't do that. Then when I do, my situation's completely different than theirs. It is. I would never do what they did. Then I play the God card. God led me to do that. My mind is heavily biased in my favor. My mind's a mess. It is. I, I admit it. I own it. And if I would be willing to guess, I would guess that some of yours are too. It's a guess. But here's the deal. What, what is the big deal with this? Like, yeah, that's, that's bad, but what's the big deal? It's all in my head. What's the big deal? You know, my thoughts, as long as they stay thoughts, don't hurt anyone. Actions are really important, and we know that. Actions matter. We are judged by our actions. And words, words can really hurt people or they can build people up. So we know those two things are important, but, but my thoughts, they're, they're mine. Nobody knows them but me. Well, that's just not true. Um, it's really not. In Psalm 139, David is saying this. He said, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. God knows our thoughts. And I think intuitively we know that. How many of you, when you pray, don't open your mouths? I pray in my head often. 
and I trust that God knows what I'm thinking. But here's where I've got to get honest with you. You know, I've already showed you what goes on in my head. I don't find that to be a sufficient motivator. The fact that God knows what's going on in my head, I don't find that to be a sufficient motivator to change my mind. See, part of it is that I trust in God's love and his grace and his mercy. And if God is loving and gracious and mercy, he's going to forgive those things. And they're just between me and him anyway. They could be a lot worse. You know, I I can think to myself, well, yeah, I thought that, but at least I didn't run that person off the road. You know, I didn't. At least I didn't say those words that I was thinking. I I can play that game. Here's the deal. About two years ago now, I began having conversations with Patrick and our elders about discipleship. I'd been a part of this group that was a discipleship cohort for a while, and it was challenging me on my, my journey of being a disciple of Jesus. I became passionate about both following him and engaging with our church in this journey. And I, I think it's just really important that we commit to following Jesus. I think it's the point. So, let's see. We handed out cards on October 15th. And we asked the question, the card said something like, what do you want to change about your journey? We believe that disciples are being transformed into the image of Jesus. We're going to send these cards back in six months. What do you want yours? What do you want to change? The thing that I wrote is that I don't want to have more controlled thoughts. This has been on my mind for a long time. And it's on my mind enough that I push it aside almost all the time. But this series is going to deal for me what feels like one of the last areas of my life, and it's not, but it feels like it's one of the last areas of my life where I have not given it over to Jesus. And I know that I'm not alone on this. I know that our minds overwhelm us. I know that many of us have given God most of our lives Most of ourselves, we're generous with our time and money, and we look for opportunities to share our faith and to be generous and to be engaged. We read Bible stories to our children, and we feel good about that. We're careful with the things that we say so we do not reflect poorly on Jesus. But all the while, underneath the surface, behind the scenes, behind the curtain, what's really going on in our minds does not look like Jesus. And so the only motivation that I have found to make this change is this. I want to be all in as a disciple of Jesus. And I think that has to include our minds. If you look at Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Paul writes, let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. Let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. As he goes on with the passage, there are several things that you notice about Jesus' mind. I boiled it down to three. Jesus' mind is humble. Jesus' mind is self-emptying. Jesus' mind is obedient. Humble, self-emptying, 
obedient. And those characteristics are nothing like my mind. My mind is undisciplined, it's heavily influenced, and it is biased in my favor. If our thoughts were the barometer of our discipleship, how do you think we would do? If our thoughts, if our minds were the barometer, if they, if they were able to tell us how good we were doing as disciples, how do you think we would do? You know, those thoughts about that person who's not your spouse. Those thoughts about that person that took the last donut. Those thoughts about the coworker who's late again and you're having to do their work. Those thoughts about the boss who doesn't appreciate you. Those thoughts about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, either one, or you name the celebrity. How do you think those thoughts align with following Jesus? Here's the deal. I don't believe that Jesus would have the same thoughts I do. I don't. And so when I look at my life and I look at my mind and I say, do I have the mind of Christ? It doesn't look like it. It does not look like it. So as his disciples, I think it is incumbent upon us to decide, will we follow him into this part of our lives? So what do we need to do to have the mind of Christ? What do we need to do if we want to have the mind of Christ? And I've been thinking about this a lot. I really have, because I've tried some things. But this is where I get into trouble. I assume that the best path to God, the best path to getting the mind of Christ, to having a transformed mind, is to try harder and be better. To try harder and be better. If I just try harder not to think about that thing, it's going to be okay. If I'm just better about that, it's going to be fine. It's kind of the pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mentality. But the mind of Christ is self-emptying. It is humble. It is obedient. Church, the only way to have the mind of Christ is to surrender. It's to surrender. This is where AA... This is where Celebrate Recovery, this is where some of those great organizations have known this all along, and we're just picking up on it now. I can't do this on my own. I have to submit to a higher power. I have to surrender to Jesus. For me, this is a really difficult place to land. Instead of Jesus asking me, Jordan, what are you willing to do to have the mind of Christ? He has been asking me directly, at least it feels directly, Jordan, what are you willing to surrender? You see, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And so I I thought thought about it this way. Jesus asks me, what are you willing to give? So I tell him, how about my career? Jesus says, that's great. What else? I tell him, how about my money? You can have that too. Jesus says, that's great. What else? I tell him, how about my words? You can have my words. Jesus says, that's great. What else? I tell him, how about my relationships? 
You can be the center of all of my relationships. And Jesus says to me, that's great. What else? I tell him, Jesus, I, I don't have much else to give. And he says, sure you do. I want it all. The way of Jesus is surrender. This morning I asked Alex to lead the song, I Surrender All. And as I've thought about this song this week, I've just come to the conclusion that I cannot yet sing that song with integrity. I haven't surrendered all. I've surrendered a lot. I've given a lot. But not all. And I want to say that in me I have the mind of Christ. I want to be his disciple in that way. And I believe it begins with surrender. So church, if you want to have the mind of Jesus, you must surrender. Let's pray. God, we are so aware of the difference between you and us. God, sometimes it is overwhelming. It's overwhelming that that you call us to have your mind, and yet our minds go everywhere else. God, we're sorry. We don't don't mean to be this way, but we are. And so, God, I pray for us. I pray that we can all learn to surrender to you, that we can have the mind of you that is humble and self-emptying and obedient. God, help us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks for being here.